Hello there, everybody. Welcome to the Do You Even Blog podcast. It's the show for bloggers and podcasters who want to make money on the internet. My name is Pete McPherson, your dedicated host for the evening, or morning, or afternoon, or wherever you're at. And in this episode, there is no deep dive interview with an awesome podcaster, blogger, entrepreneur, snail mailer. I haven't actually had a snail mailer, but that would be cool. No interviews today. It is going to be answering some of your voicemails. By the way, if you listen to this podcast, you're like, ah, you know what? I would like to hear my voice on the Do You Blog podcast and ask Pete a question and get him to link back to my site from the, the show notes, show description or whatever. I would like to ask him a little question. You can, my friend. You can go to doyouevenblog.com slash voicemail. Doyouevenblog.com slash voicemail and ask me a question. I would love to hear it. Without further ado, let's go ahead and jump in. Hi, I'm Sophie and my website is babytoddlerandkids.com.au. Here is my question. So you, Pete, say that podcasting and YouTube are a great thing to get into at the minute, and I tend to agree. But how do I decide what to podcast or YouTube about? I mean, half the people on the parent on the planet are parents, like myself. I don't believe that makes me an expert necessarily. So how do I actually decide what to talk to people about and what they might want to hear from me. Thank you. Sophie, thank you for the questions. And those are great ones. And in fact, I have three different answers. Number one, the expert status. You absolutely do not need to be an expert. And quite frankly, for your niche, by the way, parenting, I would argue there are very few experts. Like we all think we're experts in parenting. It's kind of a weird niche in that way. But even if there were bona fide experts, you absolutely don't need to be one. For podcasting, YouTube, blog, does not matter. We want to hear what you have to say. Furthermore, I always give people this little example. Oh, Pete, I'm not an expert. I don't know anything about XYZ, parenting, personal finance, blogging, anything. Okay, well, if you went down the street to your local coffee shop, your local Starbucks, and you asked every person in that room about your topic, parenting, personal finance, blogging, whatever it is, how many of them would know as much as you or more than you? Probably very few. For some niches, more than others, maybe parenting's a little different. You're right. But you absolutely don't have to be a world-class expert. People still want to hear your stories and what you have to say and your tips and tricks for getting your children to go to sleep. Please let me know if you have a blog post on this. I would read it right now. You don't have to be an expert. That's part one. Part number two of this answer, it's not necessarily what to talk to people about, but who to talk to. I like telling people to focus more on their avatar, more on their audience, and less about a very specific subtopic or niche. By the way, if you're doing like a niche site, a niche site, by all means, feel free to ignore this because I think that's a little bit different purpose. But for most of us, and what it sounds like for Sophie podcasting your YouTube, focus on your avatar, those parents, those mothers, they care more about just parenting advice. They care about uh, a lot of different things, their jobs, their careers, 
their uh, food, for example, like meal prep and, and feeding kids. And they care about their schools and they care about uh, daycares as they're at their full-time job. And they, they care about their husbands and all sorts of things, right? Focus on them. Focus on the avatar more than just what to talk about. Focus on who to talk to. Now, that's not very actionable. So let me follow that up with part three to your question. Uh, your question was, what to talk to people about and what they might want to hear from me, specifically talking about podcasting and YouTube. Here's my real answer. It depends on the platform. You mentioned podcasting and YouTube. Those two platforms serve two very different purposes. There's some crossover for sure. They're both for growing your audience. They're both for growing trust and authority with your existing audience. They're both for connecting with authors or other influencers or celebrities or other interesting people. They both kind of do that, but podcasting does one thing and YouTube does another in very different ways. So what to talk to people about and what they might want to hear from you is a little different. Really quickly, I know this is an extremely long answer, but this is a long one. The rest of them are shorter. It's worth asking what those platforms are for. Podcasting, conversations, long conversational conversations, as in not highly edited, back and forth dialogue, storytelling, long just talks about any given subject. That actually works fairly well for podcasting. It's great for connecting with people. So tell stories about your day as a parent. Tell stories about parenting. Give lots of examples. Just talk about the challenges and the potential problems. That's all great for podcasting. YouTube is a little bit different. YouTube is a search engine and generally speaking is a lot more distracting, by the way, because people are watching usually on YouTube, their app, their computer. And so you have to keep their attention. It's worth going a little bit faster, a little bit more succinctly and targeting search. Or even if you don't want to think about it in terms of YouTube SEO or keywords or whatever, but it's specific topics, specific sub topics that you can cover in seven to 20 minutes. That's like a big broad area, but that's like right there, like 10 to 15 minutes, you're perfect. Specific question and answer, specific topic, specific subtopic. Teaching is really great on YouTube. You can absolutely tell stories. You should give examples, don't get me wrong, but it's a different format than podcasting. So the answer to your question, what do I talk about and who wants to hear from me? It does depend on the platform. I hope that gave you some ideas based on if you're gonna do a podcast or YouTube, but remember, you do not have to be an expert. Hi, I'm Derek from bloggershq.org, and my question is, how would you go about trying to win back lost keywords, dropped keywords, and which tools, preferably free, would you go about finding which ones you've dropped, which are outside the top 50, top 100, for example? Thank you kindly. Thank you for the question, Derek. So the real answer is that I don't. <laughs> I don't even track my keywords that much anymore, but I also don't focus on SEO. Uh, so there's that. But luckily, my answer is also my advice. And you'll see what I mean by that here in a second. So I would argue SEO, more than most other strategies, is a never-ending process for any given piece of content or any given keywords, or I actually don't think that much about keywords personally. I think about it more in terms of topics 
or at least the the very broad keywords, like the the most searched for keywords, because lots of keywords will be like long tail underneath that, right? Uh, and you probably shouldn't write as much for those anymore. As much. Notice I didn't say not at all. SEO is a never-ending process. So that said, I think, first of all, updating a piece of content is the low-hanging fruit. You're talking about losing rank, dropping to page two, dropping to page three for any given set of keywords. I think updating the content is the low-hanging fruit. And there's a few things you can do specifically under that. Number one, make sure everything is still relevant. And this is more than just changing dates, by the way. Control F, you know, search for 2019, update for 2020. Yeah, that's great. You should do that stuff too. But you should also make sure that you are giving the best representation of search intent for whatever your topic is, for whatever your keyword is, whatever that search intent is, it's important to dive back through your content and then ask yourself at every paragraph, at every topic, at every bullet point, is this the most accurate representation for answering search intent? And then the third one here is how could it be better? How could it be better? It's not necessarily more words, but sometimes it is adding more context to a point, providing more resources, creating a few extra graphics that help drive home important points, making the content relevant, making sure you're you're continuing to answer search intent because search intent changes over time for any given year, for any given subject, for sure. And then ask, how can I make it better? That's updating content. And of course, the only other thing that I would personally focus on, again, this is just my opinion, is links. Where are your links at? Why did you fall? Is your content irrelevant? Is it outdated? That's all in number one that I just spoke on, updating your content. But then also, is it continuing to build links? Does it have any links? Did somebody else do a bunch of link building directly or indirectly? And that's why it's outranking me now like continuing to promote said content, not necessarily through backlink outreach. You're welcome to do that. That's not my style, but if that's you, by all means, go for it. It's effective. But just making sure people are still seeing it, making sure people who would link back to it have a reason to link back to it, and then marketing it, promoting it on social, promoting it again to your email newsletter once you've updated it. That's totally allowed. Just making sure people are continuing to see it and hopefully driving links back to it. Now, the other answer to your question was what tools? I'm sorry, I don't have a free one. Partially because I'm not doing as much SEO anymore. Partially because I've never seen a free SEO tool with unlimited rank tracking. If somebody knows of one, please let me know. I would love to take a look at it. I use Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S.com. I spoke to Tim Solo, their marketing guy, on my podcast specifically, and I love it. I use it. I recommend it. It's actually very expensive, but you can actually get, I would argue, a lot of value from just using it three times a year. As in, it's expensive. It's $97 a month-ish, I think. Pay that for a month and use the heck out of it and then cancel and then re-up three or four months later when you need it again. They probably don't want me to tell you that, but quite frankly, I think you can still get a lot of value out of doing that. AccuRanker.com is another one you can find. It's also expensive. Obviously, SEMrush.com. I think it's right around the same price point. You might check out Mangles, or you can actually just go search for KWFinder.com. 
or maybe it's ranktracker.com. I'm not sure. They offer a whole suite of SEO tools that is a little bit more affordable. It's not free. Sorry. But you can check your rankings there as well. And it should show you keywords. And that's pretty good. It's pretty handy. I don't think it's as powerful as href, but it is more affordable. You can probably just Google search KW Finder, or you can probably go to tubeblock.com slash KW Finder. It's probably my affiliate link, by the way. And you can find them there. Hello, I'm Camila, a rising sophomore in high school, and my website is acollegekid.com. Here's my question. I have a podcast called Who Cares About College, in which I interview current high school graduates and college students about their college application process. I also want to interview authors who have written books on the topic of college. Do I need to have a certain amount of subscribers in order to reach out to them? And if so, how many subscribers do I need to maximize my chances of them being an interviewee? Yay, Camila, thank you so much for this question. First of all, I wish somebody had slapped me when I was a sophomore in high school and told me to start a podcast. That would have been so cool. Kudos to you for doing what you are doing. It sounds like incredible work. Congratulations. You are awesome. Now, to answer your question, do I need to have a certain amount of subscribers to book interviews? First of all, you can't actually tell your podcast subscribers. It's more on downloads. Second of all, no, 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 no. You absolutely do not need to even have a show in order to book guests. Yes, that is true. What I just said. Now, the real answer is no, but dot, dot, dot. And the, but is of course, the more audience you have, the bigger your audience, of course, it's going to be a little bit easier to get in contact with authors or influencers or celebrities or whoever it is. Of course, the more downloads your show has, the easier it will be probably, but It's not the only thing guests care about. Now, let me show you one other thing that I think you might find helpful and a bunch of people listening to this, hopefully. Podcast guests will come on your show just to be charitable. Why do people give money to charities? It makes them feel good. They're helping people. Helping people feels good. That's okay. If you were to reach out to me, and ask me to be on your show, which you shouldn't because I don't know the first thing about admissions or whatnot. But if you did, I'd be like, of course, you are a young person doing meaningful work and trying to help other people. I am going to devote myself to that. I will give you an hour of my time. I like helping people. It feels good. People like charity. So I'm not saying you should straight up ask people for that. Like you should feel good about this. So you should come on my show. No, of course not. But you should present that you're a young person doing good work and helping other people and you're passionate about it. People can see that from a mile away and they are attracted to it. And you would be amazed at the caliber of author or influencer or celebrity or whoever who will give you an hour of their time because it's helping somebody and because you are passionate about what you do. I know that sounds silly. It is not silly. Downloads or no downloads. People like that. Here's another thing that people really like. People like hustle. People like if you reached out to them and you said, this podcast is brand new. I don't have a ton of downloads, but I'm I'm making a course that I'm going to be giving to my own school. And I'm reaching out to local colleges to see if they'll share it. And, and I'm hustling. People are attracted to that too. Now, there's two more things I got for you here. Make sure that these people you're reaching out to, I'm assuming you're emailing them at this point, make sure they know what's involved in the interview process. 
Like be crystal clear and make it very easy for them to say yes. This is more of a general pitch and outreach sort of answer right here. Make sure it's incredibly easy to say yes. And by the way, for a podcast, here's what you say. This is totally conversational. You don't need to prep anything. I do all the homework and research, and it will only take an hour of your time, period. Max, that's it. You are done. You show up at this URL right here on Squadcast or Zoom or Skype or whatever it is, or I call you or whatever it is. We're going to talk. It's going to be conversational. We're going to talk about X, Y, and Z subjects. I read your book. We'll talk for 30 to 40 minutes, and then that's it. You're done. That is super crystal clear, and it's very easy for people to say yes to that. Last part, make sure that they know that it's evergreen, and people do go back and listen to old podcast episodes. As in, it's not like this is only going to exist for a couple of minutes, like a tweet or a blog post that doesn't even have this long of a shelf life half the time. People go back and listen to old podcast episodes, and while you may not have a bunch of downloads now, you might in the future, and it's going to continue to be around. It's one hour of their time for potentially lots of eyeballs and earlobes. Don't actually say that, but that's what it is in the future. Thank you so much for the question, Camila. Hi, I'm Mike Hardy, and my website is thumbwind.com. Here's my question. For many years now, I've been focusing the content of my site on Michigan's upper thumb. We cover events, things to do, sites, tourism, and that type of thing. However, I've been expanding recently and covering other areas, such as news from Black Lives Matter and other events in the thumb that are more newsy-oriented than before. This is getting a tremendous response. However, I'm wondering if I'm overextending myself. I'm a one-man operation, and my niche blog is still my passion. Am I going to get penalized by Google from an SEO standpoint if I start straying from my niche and going into more general categories. Thanks for your time, and I hope to hear from you. Hi, I'm Clayton, and my website is missingmickey.com, and here's my question. How do you know when you've niched down too far? Uh, I think I may have gotten myself into a bit of a content writing block slash hole by niching down a little bit too far. So how do you know the right level of niching down without niching way down? Okay, both of those questions had to do with niching up or niching down. So I figured I'd lump them here together. So for Clayton, the last gentleman who was at Missing Mickey, uh, I'm afraid I might have niched down too far. My friend, if you think that, you already have. You're there. There you go. For Mike, the person about you know niching up, I, t- I started talking about all these other things and the news things, and I got some attention with the Black Lives Matter movement and all this other stuff. Is this going to penalize me for SEO? It depends on what you want. And by the way, this goes for Clayton too. It's your blog. You get to decide what to do. Obviously, there could be some benefits and consequences. You you might end up ranking less, diluting what Google thinks your searches uh, your, your site is about. Quite frankly, I wouldn't worry about that. I personally wouldn't. Now, if you are brand new trying to build a niche site talking about gardening and you start talking about personal finance, that's way different. That's way off base. But even if you're just niching up a little bit or even just niching down a little bit, I think the difference specifically with Google SEO is going to be negligible. 
Now, I am going to steal a page out of my friend Grant's book. We actually chatted about this hmm, just a few months ago, I believe. Uh, he is phenomenal at SEO, and here's what he has to say. In your first couple of years and or a couple of months, depending on where you're at, when you first start off, it is probably more beneficial from an SEO standpoint to really drill down and niche down and focus on this one thing. But after a while, and Clayton mentioned this, you might run out of ideas. You might have like hit a little saturation point and there's not a whole lot more to say, or maybe you just want to say other things. And at that point, again, this could be three months. It could be three years. It's kind of up to you. You can start to branch out a little bit more. Now, I'm going to add on to that. That's Grant from an SEO perspective. I'm going to say this. It depends on what you want. By the way, Clayton, you're in the theme parks and parenting and entertainment niche. You can move up a little bit from that. You don't have to talk about Disney World. You can if you want, and you probably should. You can talk about Disney movies, Disney Plus. That's a little bit different. Other theme parks. Other theme parks in Orlando, Florida, because there's multiple theme parks there. There's actually a lot, believe it or not. I think you could probably still talk about all that stuff. I think it's up to you and what you want. And more specifically, like I already mentioned in this podcast episode, it's actually more about who you are talking to, who your avatar is, who your audience is, more so than what you talk about. Now, for Mike, this is pretty much the same answer. It depends on what you want, Mike. Do you want to stay very specific on travel to Upper Michigan, which is I'm right there with you. By the way, I'm not on the thumb, but I'm, you know, I'm on the other side of the state, Northern Michigan. Uh, represent. No. What do you want? Do you want to just talk about that? Do you want to cover more news related things? It's up to you, my friend. I think it's such a geographically focused situation. I don't think it matters that much. I think it's what you want. Now you asked about Google. Could Google potentially penalize you on some of your upper Michigan related keywords? I'm assuming that's what you're mostly trying to rank for. It's possible. I don't know. The only way to find out is to do it and test. And this is my last big point for both of you and for everybody. Marketing is just nothing but tests and micro experiments and tracking results and then doing it again and better or changing things and doing it again, but better test and see. You just don't know. I don't know if it's going to hurt your traffic or not. Chances are at your particular business, Mike and Clayton, I don't think it would actually do much harm. I think it's worth taking that risk and producing content that you want on niching up or niching down. It's up to you. It's up to you and what you want. So there's my answer. Already blog time. That's all the questions I'm going to do today. Thank you guys so much for sending in these voicemails. This is actually pretty easy content for me. It's really fun. And, and hopefully I find, or no, hopefully you find, hopefully you listening to this find it valuable. So if you want to leave me a voicemail, go to doyouevenblog.com slash voicemail and just hit the little appropriate button right there. It's actually really simple. It's kind of fun, actually. Go do that. Leave me a message. And thank you for listening, Blog Tribe. I am legit on vacation at the time you're listening to this. So don't email me. Don't tweet me because I will not respond. It's the first off the grid vacation I've taken since the beginning of Do You Even Blog in over three years. And I'm excited about it. So as you're listening to this, 
I'm living the life in my new camper up in northern Michigan right now. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll see you next time on the podcast. Y'all have a good one. Happy vlogging. Adios.